Welcome to the Athlete Plus Network. It's the official podcast network of the Institute of Coaching Excellence, a research and educational outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. I'm Kevin Carr, CEO of ProtoCO and industry professor at UF, and I serve as the host of the hit show, How I Transition Podcast. The hit show is a podcast devoted to talking to current and former athletes on and off the court, field, track, or diamond, and the special elite people behind the scenes who support these athletes, coaches, teams, and organizations, and their stories to educate all listeners and advance the profession of coaching and supporting athletes. Today, we're delighted to bring another great show. Today's guest is no other than Dr. Chantel Green, Director of Mind Health and Wellness for the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA, more affectionately known to Portland as Rip City. We have Dr. Green. Her bio is she joined the Trailblazers in March of 2022 as the team's Director of Mind Health and Wellness. In her role, Dr. Green is responsible for helping players deal psychologically with the demands of the sport and to improve their personal development and performance. She also provides mind health education awareness to players and staff. Dr. Green's area of focus includes sleep medicine. That's right. The proper sleep and psychological aspects of injury, substance abuse, and behavior change facilitated through motivational interviewing. Wow, I've never heard that term before. We're going to get into it today, though. Dr. Green previously served as the staff psychologist at the University of Oklahoma, where she was embedded in the athletics department with psychological resources for OU student athletes, providing counseling, sports performance, and psychological testing services to individual athletes and teams. Dr. Green, welcome to the hit show and welcome home from the University of Florida Gator Nation. It is so great to be back home. Go Gators. I looked for a hat or something that had Gators on it, but you know, I have all those things locked away back in Miami where I'm from, but it's so great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. We're delighted to have you and we really appreciate you finding the time. It has been quite a season and we certainly want to allow you to get your off season on. But before you get away from us totally, we got to learn a little about you on the hit show. Take us back way, way back. Give us a little bit of insight on who you are and how you grew up, would you? Yeah. So, I mean, taking it all the way back, hopefully not too far back. Let's not age me too much. Born and raised in Miami, Florida. I have two parents that are originally from Jamaica, so they moved to the States to create a better life for me and also for my older sister, who's currently in Philadelphia. It's been an amazing journey just having such inspirational parents, an amazing sister who just always been supportive of my dreams and what I envisioned for myself. I started off as a basketball player, so that's where my passion for sports really started. That was the start of it all for me. Playing sports was my outlet. It was my way of kind of getting away from life and just being able to throw myself into the sport of basketball. From there, I think one of the biggest and pivotal turning points for my life was as a basketball player, we know injuries are, you know, we're not immune from injuries. And I suffered a knee injury my senior year of high school. And that really shifted my focus from wanting to be an athlete, which is what I envision and many athletes envision for themselves in the future. I made the decision at that point to say, you know what, if I can't play the sport, I still want to be involved in the sport. 
And that's when I became an athletic trainer. So I started as a high school athletic trainer and that passion just really went with me to the University of Florida. So I went to UF, you know, many people that struggle to figure out what they want to major in, but I came in with a plan. I knew what I wanted to do and I was committed to making that happen. So I was an athletic trainer at the University of Florida. I worked with softball team. I was fortunate to work with the football team during some really great years. So I was there from seven to 11 and had some of the best experiences I've ever seen just from the football field, basketball court, gymnastics, just elite sports at UF. And so to be able to go through health and human performance department at UF and to become a certified and licensed athletic trainer through UF, that really fueled the start of everything that is me working right now with the Portland Trailblazers. Wow. This really is uh, fascinating because so many people kind of want to know. Give us a little bit more as a Gator great. Yes, we're going to give you that title. You're early in it, but we're going to elevate you. Take us through some of your career track from college to now. Like, How did you become interested in this, particularly the psychological and mental health aspect of it? Yeah. So going into, like I said, going into Florida, I knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer. I knew that that was something I was really passionate about. My athletic trainer that helped me through my injury was such a, she played such a pivotal role in kind of molding me and helping me to stay strong psychologically and physically through that time. And so being so inspired by her, athletic training was just a passion of mine. Through the athletic training program at the University of Florida, I took a sports psychology. So it was an intro to sports psychology class. And that was really the first time I started to draw the connection between treating the physical aspect of injuries, but also really understanding the impact of the psychological feats and the difficulties that people face, how that can greatly impact the healing process. And so from there, as an athletic trainer, I was fortunate to be with my football team and being able to take what you learn in the classroom and apply it directly on the field was so great. So I was able to learn things in class from an intro to sports psych perspective and be able to see it really pan out in my players that were injured and my players that were struggling to return from injury, my players who were saying that they were excited to get back but weren't committed to showing up to the to rehab. So really being able to see that so much of this game, yes, it is physical, but a lot of that is impacted by the mental. So from there, after graduation, I said, you know what, I took a year off, you know, the just working through UF and wanting to make sure I got myself in the right place. Um, I did take a gap year, you know, as a parent, you're always scared. Parents mm -hmm. are scared that you take the gap year, you'll never go back. But yeah, I knew right. that it wasn't, it was going to be a year that I was really going to use to set me up for the next step. So I actually went back to my old high school, worked as an athletic trainer, started to research some sports side programs, which that in and of itself was kind of a journey just to be able to find programs that were accredited, that were really going to set me up for success, knowing that my future goals were to be to work in athletic training, but also to be able to serve the mental health needs of athletes. What I quickly learned was I then entered the Barry University Sport Exercise and Performance Psychology Program. And it was in class one day, maybe our second semester in, where they mentioned, if you want to be a sports psychologist to actually carry the title of a sports psychologist, you're going to need to carry a doctorate degree. And so I won't wow. say that that was in the books for me. I didn't know that it would take that much longer be able to kind of, you know, work in this field. But I told myself if I was committed to the excellence of this field, I wanted to do whatever it took to have the credentials and have the backing to be able to support athletes in the way and really to honor the profession in and of itself. So one of the things I knew halfway through my master's program at Barry University was that I would make plans to go on and get my doctorate. So I went on and got my doctorate in clinical psychology from Nova Southeastern University, also in Florida. So 
I've only done my schooling in Florida. I went from University of Florida, Bear University, which is in Miami Shores, Florida. And then I did my doctorate mm-hmm. at Nova Southeastern University, which is in Davie or Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So when we say welcome home, Florida really is home for me in so many different ways. But I think one of the things that was so important is I started to realize that with my commitment to this field, the most important thing I was going to have to do is learn as much as I could because I envisioned being able to work as an athletic trainer. And if an athlete was struggling with their mental health, just fix it. But I quickly realized I would have to maybe put my athletic training hat aside, be able to use it to inform the clinical decisions I made as a sports psychologist, but ultimately be able to separate athletic training from sports psychology to be able to really serve the mental health needs rather than solely the physical uh, needs of the athletes. Wow. Love that. Love that. You you talk about, you know, impact and being at UF, you said it had a huge, how did that get you like your first big opportunity? A lot of people struggle breaking in, but you are really making hyperspeed accelerated career moves here. Like you're, you're literally crossing over into lanes that most people don't get to see for years from now. So talk about how'd you get your first break in this space? Yeah, I would say being an athletic trainer, I think it is a unique experience to be able to have the athletic training background. And so to already be in spaces where I worked with elite athletes, where I worked with elite staff members who already had that connection. And I was already on the field working with Hall of Fame coaches, being able to be in that space already, you know, really set the tone for my career, working closely with, you know, coaches like Urban Meyer when He's walking through the athletic training room. You're building those connections. And one thing I always say is your network is your net worth. And so being able to truly genuinely make connections with people in the world of sports is so important because your legacy that it really carries through with you, you know, how you treat people, your knowledge base, your competency, your ability to build a rapport and build trust. All of that takes you such a long way in being able to implement anything from a coaching standpoint to a sports like standpoint anything that you want to implement, people have to be able to trust that one, you know what you're talking about, and two, you actually care about the wellness of the players, the staff, the coach, and the organization as a whole. And so for me, really being at UF started all of that for me. And then Mm -hmm. having just the legacy of being able to walk in a room and say, I'm part of Gator Nation. We know that that name carries such great weight. And I'm just really fortunate to be able to say that it gave me the start, being able to use the University of Florida to the benefit of being able to say, I know most employers are going to know that if you're coming through UF, you're getting a great education, you're around elite sports. And so being part of the SEC, I'm obviously biased, but greatest conference <laughs> in my opinion. And as okay. a result of that, I think if, if you can survive the SEC, you can survive being there. It really, it's what I call those transferable skills. And if you can do it here, it translates into every other area and facet of your life and, and professionally. Love it. You know, you, you say your network is your net worth. It's so true. I think when people hear it, they think, you know, it's a cliche and it's really thrown around. It truly, I I believe that too. You know, I've been able, like you, Hall of Fame coaches, MVPs, those types of people, if you have really authentic relationships and you're able to tap them where something comes along that you want to talk or be able to connect in, those people can accelerate and open doors and experience at great places like UF really do allow you to go further, faster, in my opinion. So thank you for mm-hmm. saying our listeners really, she's dropping knowledge, you all. So you really <laughs> got to take this to heart. 
you know, what's the most prevalent issue? We're going to get into the science of this. You know, you're you're the elite expert here. You know, what is the most prevalent issue you see athletes facing today as it relates to mental health? And what's your response to helping athletes with, you know, these needs? I would say one of the things that I often, when I'm having this conversation about what impacts the athlete, I really say what impacts the human, because ultimately what we know is our players are humans that are not exempt from the issues that we face as human beings. And so when I see our athletes as people, we know that they're not immune from feeling anxious, having moments of feeling down and being depressed, having moments of recognizing that they're facing a trauma or dealing with loss and, you know, death and dying are not something they're exempt from. I just think that they are in a position where anything that they face it's on the main stage. And so I think when we think about the issues that athletes face, they're no different than many of the issues that the world faces. I just think that they're, they're fortunate to have resources to be able to apply to many of the issues that they face, but the stigma still there. The difficulties mm-hmm. are still there. The challenges are still there. We just know that they have resources that might even make that more confounded and make it more difficult to face. But I would say a lot of it is the pressure and the expectations of being invincible. And that's something Mm. that not everyone faces on a day-to-day. Obviously, within your own space and your own capacity, it can look really different, right? You're the CEO of the company. You're expected to be invincible in that way. If you're the the janitor of a building, you're also expected to carry out your day-to-day tasks to a level of excellence because ultimately everything is a performance. And so I just think for, for athletes, especially at this high level, it's the visibility, it's the eyes on you and the pressure of, I can't make the mistakes that others can make because it's going to be scrutinized in a way that for other people, it wouldn't be scrutinized. And so a lot of what I face right now is just feeling this, a lot of athletes just feeling this internal pressure to be perfect. And when they're not having to kind of deal with the aftermath of what that looks like for them. And ultimately, I think for so many of them, it's this ideal of I'm I'm known as being that guy. I'm known for being great. Obviously, you don't make it into the NBA by not being great. So this expectation of I'm that guy, I've always been that guy. And suddenly now I come into this league where everyone's that guy, right? To the left, Mm. to the right, everyone is elite. And so now you're starting to take a step back and question, am I as good as I thought? Am I able to do those things, right? Like I have this guy who's fighting for the same position. All of those things to say, the hard work I put in got me here, but I'm also going to have to put in equally just as much, the same amount of work to be able to stay here. And so I think for a lot of athletes, especially early on when, you know, your rookies are coming in, it's this Mm -hmm. ideal of, wow, this is a different life. I now have resources that I've never had access to and life is now at my disposal and I want to be able to go out and just do the thing that I love. But there's a lot of moving parts that are happening kind of in the background around that. Yeah. And like you're saying, the, the, the part that not even the performance part, all those pieces in the background that go along, whether it's family, whether you Mm -hmm. have an injury, whether you are in a new climate, culture. There's just so many dynamics that you have to, and then you have this, the optics on this job are unbelievable. I think most people think it's glamorous, but as you know, travel and everything else, you have to keep your health optimal because you can't play while you're sick. You know, all those things come into factor. So thank you, you know, for breaking that down. You know, we we talk about being a research one institution around there. How do you go about researching Mm -hmm the programming offered through your mind health education and awareness initiative, you know, take us through a little bit of that. Yeah. I think anything, when it comes to any type of clinical work, the most important thing is that your clinical work is informed by research. And so your research helps drive what you do clinically, 
And clinically, what they see is what helps inform the research that's back. For me, it's just really being in the literature as sports psychology as a field is evolving, being able mm-hmm. to just continue to be a student, right? It's one of those things where it's like, I was in school for many years. And when I say many, yeah. I mean many, but that never goes away, right? So to really be able to say that I'm committed to this field, it means I'm committed to the research that supports the field. And so mm-hmm. just being able to get into articles, people who I look up to within the field and being able to say, you know what, I know that there's research that's happening coming through UF. One thing to mention is not only did I go through UF in undergrad, but when I had to do my internship, which is essentially where we kind of solidify our training and we're able to apply it, I made the decision to go back to UF. So I actually went back to UF for one year to be able to do my internship, which set the tone right before I graduated to set me up to go to OU to work there. So I've been at UF where I know that they are informed by research. You have great researchers who are teachers of all of this. And so for me, it really was being able to know that the research is going to afford what I do clinically and clinically what I do, it's going to be backed by that research. And so for me, it's just really being able to go back and say, you know what, I remember learning this in school, learning this in classes. I haven't used it in a while, but let me go back into the research, make sure that that research is up to date. And then if it is, be able to use it to inform what I do on a day to day. Wow. Definitely in depth. And you you really have to be on your stuff. I imagine in your profession, things are always changing, pivoting. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, you know that to be excellent at this level, you have to stay well-informed and researched up. Look, it was noted that you also work with team staff. You know, what methods are used mm-hmm. to help connect with the, the staff? Because you got some excellent people around you. Shout out to yeah. Asia yeah. Jones <laughs> there, my good friend. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. give her a little love there and everybody yeah. else, Joe. Joe and Michelle and and Heaven. So shout out to you. Yeah, all. I'm I'm really blessed to work with such great people. And I think one of the things when it comes to my when it comes to the staff is being able to understand that if our staff is not functioning at their best and they have their hands directly on our players, then we know that it's a cycle and that if one is affected, one part of the system is affected, then we know that the whole system is not going to function at its best and at its optimal. And so my goal is to always be able to step in with we have great people that within their own you know, areas and within their own departments are amazing. I just always offer the support to be able to offer a hand in any way that I can extend the work that they're already doing. If there's ways to help with the communication of what they're doing, if there's ways that I can help with buy-in of certain things, if I can help with that buy-in, if I can help to make sure that they're feeling good emotionally and they're feeling supported, that they're taking care of themselves, Because ultimately, if they don't take care of themselves, they're not going to be in a great position to take care of our players or our coaches. So just making sure that everyone, just being a good energy within the building, being able to bring positivity, being able to notice when things maybe are a little off and ask that question of, are you okay? And actually mean it and want to know and be able to come up with, you know, solutions to any problems that might present themselves. And so that's just across the board. I, I work with amazing people who really are invested in and committed to taking care of themselves to best be able to take care of our players. I agree. You have some amazing people around you. I've had the pleasure of meeting a few and just all indicators let me know that you have a world-class organization. So much respect for the Portland Trailblazers and what you all are doing there. Your area of focus includes sleep medicine, psychological mm-hmm. aspects of injury, substance abuse, behavior change. Man, there's there's a lot there. Are there like <laughs> Any areas you think experts and other practitioners should be paying attention to and more? Because the sleep thing, obviously, I'm very interested in that, but talk mm-hmm. to us about other things as well. So one of the things that I think is so important is that we sometimes fail to realize that 
holistically when we think about things like sleep, when we think about the influence of injuries, everything flows through sleep, right? So sleep is that restorative phase. So everything flows through it. So we think about, man, this person isn't in the best of mood. The first question I'm always asking is what was your sleep like? Because everything flows through that. So if you didn't get a great night's sleep, typically you wake up in not the best mood and you start to make decisions that reflect the mood that you're in. And then suddenly we're in a little bit of a cycle, right? So now mm-hmm. the conversation that could have went great doesn't go as well because I'm not in the best of mood. And so I have a little bit of an attitude today. Now I'm fighting with my partner. I'm fighting with my teammate. I'm not in a great place. Now we're working on conflict resolution. All of this then tracks back to sleep, which is so greatly impacted by our travel, by our schedule, by the demands of the schedule. Physically, when you're dealing with injuries, sometimes sleep can be difficult. So one of the things I I really started to understand, especially from an athletic training standpoint, was recognizing what are the things that are going to greatly impact your sleep? What are the things that are going to greatly impact your day-to-day functioning? And a lot of that I started to notice was this overarching term of behavioral health. And so those are things like your sleep. Those are going to be things like your behaviors when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to substance use in general. Those are things that greatly impact your ability to do your day-to-day functions. And so my commitment when I became, when I joined my, my psychology program, it's a clinical psychology program, but I specialize in health. And so part of that was it's this overarching term, but a lot of things flow through it. And so when I decided to go back to UF as an intern, it's because they offered behavioral health as a focus within the health psychology department. And so I was able to work with Dr. Waxenberg, who's at UF, who worked closely. She had a a chronic pain department. So being able to understand how chronic pain is going to affect your ability to sleep, which is going to affect your ability to function, your, your ability to play the sport that you love. I was working in transplant evaluations. And so that was something that's very different. But the emotions that you get from being able to make decisions about if an individual is a great candidate for a heart, a lung, a kidney transplant, that played such a big role in my ability to make decisions to be able to support people through some of the hardest times. If you can do something like that with, I worked in oncology for quite a while. So working with cancer patients at, you know, they're seeing the end of their life. It brings a level of appreciation to people who mm. do have life to live. So a lot of my experiences, I tried to take this approach and I encourage anyone who's working in this space to really get vast and broad training that has practical application towards what you want to work in. So a lot of people think, no, just work with athletes and that's it. But the approach that I took was more of a broad range where I felt really good about being able to serve the multitude of people. And then hopefully a lot of those concepts would transfer and apply directly to elite athletes. And so I found that things like sleep, chronic pain, substance use, all of those things that people face on a broad range can affect what an athlete faces on a day-to-day. I love that because I saw that at one of the most uh, highest levels, the commissioner, former commissioner David Stern, he would carry around like all these books and all these magazines, periodicals, very current stuff, Harvard Journal Review, Wall Street Journals, then he'd have these consulting magazines. He would take a mishmash of all these things. And then he'd come, he said, what are you reading? What are you reading? And somebody would say one thing, one thing. He's like, I got 23 things. Like you got to put all these things from different industries and then figure out how it relates to your industry. That's huge. You're already doing it. See, that's why you are far along <laughs> where you are. See, I, I get it now. So it's definitely that. Look, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about 
you and your impact with women in sport. Obviously, you're working with a all-male basketball team franchise. It's not all-male franchise, but basketball team. And people would think that is unique, but you guys actually have a lot of women in place there, which I love to see and I hope continue to see throughout mm-hmm. the league. Women are constantly like making strides like you have an impact in sport and, and, and really the business and beyond is really starting to be felt. What does it mean? Although we still have a ways to go, what does it mean to you to be in the position you are in today doing what you do? Yeah, I would say you, you gave that shout out earlier to Asia Jones, but it's this idea of getting a phone call from Asia Jones asking about my level of interest in wanting to join an organization that prioritizes diversity. And that's not just diversity in terms of women, but also diversity in terms of every other you know, diverse background that you can have, whether it's from religious backgrounds, whether it's economic status, whether it's race. I mean, we just have such a diverse staff. And I, I would bet that we have the largest female staff in the league. Um, and I think that really speaks to our leadership, right? To have a leader that is a female right now who just really carries. Jody Allen plays an amazing role in making sure that, you know, we feel supported, that we feel seen and we feel heard. And it's amazing to know that you're led by a woman and that you're supported and respected as a woman within this space. We are one of the staffs that has the only female head athletic trainer. And so again, those are those strides that really speak to our commitment to women within this space. And that independent of gender, it really speaks to our ability to actually effectively do the job that we're being called to do. And to know that that gender does not bar us from being able to do what we're being asked of. Well said, and I agree. You have great people, Asia and others uh, that I've seen, you know, former players as well as business mm-hmm. people in place. Look, you guys have a really great energy and et cetera going on. So we appreciate the fact that you're here with us is evident. What would you advise or what would you offer as advice to women in sports who are interested in pursuing, you know, a career in sports, mental health and wellness? What would you advise? Because I'm sure because of the advent of mental health issues that we're really speaking more and more about as a country, as a globe, the interest is up. It's really up. But in terms of sport, how would you encourage or offer advice to someone who's pursuing that and wants to go into an area like yours? You know, it is an ever evolving and growing field. One thing I would say is to first take a step back and ask yourself why, right? For for so many of us, we're driven by the why. Why do I do what I do? Because if the, the why, the intentions and the, the hope is pure, what you envision to come out of out of that is really going to be what makes, kind of sets the tone and sets the stage for how great your career will be. And so for a lot of people, unfortunately, those who get into it for the wrong reasons, I I think whether it's players, coaches, or organizations, they see right through it versus those that enter this field because they truly have a passion for sport and they have a passion for people. And and more importantly, the, the passion for people. I think coming from someone who's only worked in helping professions as athletic trainer and as a sports psychologist, I would say The greatest advice is just surround yourself with the right people. So just having the right mentors, having the right people that are examples who've gone through it, who've done it. And obviously everyone's journey is going to look a little bit different, but it's no point reinventing the wheel. If there are certain programs, if there are certain connections that have been made, being able to use those to your advantage, to be able to enter programs that you know have successfully demonstrated that they are able to create people who do the things that you envision. So 
going through a program like UF, I'm always going to shout UF out and say, <laughs> go back to a place that really set the foundation and set the tone for all that I do now. Being able to connect, I would say that I'm really fortunate. I've had some of the best female mentors throughout my entire life from start to finish from my mother down to coaches, down to athletic directors. I've been surrounded by amazing women. And so being able to use them as really that footprint and being able to see what it is that they've done, be able to, again, your network is your net worth and being able to make those connections, genuine connections, not just for gain, but because you care about this field, you care about what you want to be able to do to be able to impact the field is, is just so important. So I would definitely say finding mentorship, finding support, being able to have someone that you can go to who can answer the questions that you have about the field and be able to just kind of lead you in the right direction. That is great. I love the response and your ability to kind of help others along the way. This is huge. Do you think teams also can create more opportunity? You think there's more opportunity out there for, you know, sports in general for for women mm-hmm. in the sp- in the sport, not just yours, but just overall? I I do. I just, you know, yeah. how long do you think it's going to take us to get there, right? Like, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that the inequalities that exist and the kind of systems that are created to make it more challenging, we have to acknowledge that they do exist, but also acknowledge that barriers have been broken and that we can continue to climb and be able to to build on that. I think for myself, and I know this of many women that work in sports spaces, it's this ideal of knowing that the decisions that you make right now don't only impact you, but they impact every person, every woman that's inspiring to be in these spaces. And so being able to make decisions that reflect and represent your organization, that represent your sport well, it sets the tone for other organizations to be willing to bring some, bring another woman in. So I, I pride myself on making sure that the decisions that I make, what I say and what I do have a positive impact for women so that others feel empowered to want to bring someone in to do exactly what I do or more. I think, you know, Asia is a great example of that. We have Tina Thompson as part of our organization. We That's have right. Tree Sam. I mean, we have Olympians, we have Hall of Famers, we have, you know, people who really have set the tone and they've created this space where the decisions that they make on a day to day make it easy for organizations to want to bring other women in that look like you, whether it's in a different capacity or do something different. They can trust that, man, I've seen the work that's been done in this and I'm hoping that when I bring someone else on, they're just an extension of the greatness that that comes from that. So just really being able to pride myself on the decisions that I make positively impacting and setting the tone for other women that come after me. Speaking to a mental mind, health, and wellness expert like you, what do you do? This is interesting. I love this question. <laughs> what are some of the things that you do to own your own mental health and wellness as an expert? Yes, I get that question fairly often, actually more often than I'd like, because I don't always have an answer for that. So (laughs) I would say just recognizing like I graduated in 2020, and obviously that was a difficult year for for many in different ways. Mm -hmm. But I just, in that moment, I realized, man, I no longer have assignments to do. And for a while, I I was in school for 23 years of my life. And so to no longer be a student, it's like, man, I have to reevaluate one, who I am and what do I do outside of school, outside of homework assignments, outside of projects, outside of presentations. And so for the first time, I was able to just recognize there's things I enjoy outside of just school. I would, I'll be honest, for a while, I didn't want to pick up a book because I had picked up books for so long. I wanted to put the books down. And so I just enjoy quality time with the people that I care about. I enjoy movies. I enjoy, I mean, moving here, we talk about transitions going from 
Miami here to Portland, like the outdoors, while everyone imagines that it's only raining. When the weather's great, it's really great. And so just there's amazing waterfalls here. There's great, you know, just outdoor experiences, great hiking trails. And so I just love being able to experience those things. But yeah, for me, it's just connecting with the people I love, being able to just have downtime, just relaxing. And the one thing I often say, self-care, sometimes doing nothing is self-care for me. If I know that there's constant busyness and I'm always doing something, just to sit on the couch in silence is so powerful for me. So that's sometimes just a mental reset and recharge is to have nothing, put social media away, put technology away, and just kind of sit in silence is, is really beneficial for me. And then just my connection to my faith is so important for me. That's always going to be my go-to. It's everything flows through that. And so just being able to tap back into the source for me is, is always important. So my, my players, my coaches, everyone, I'm, I'm grateful that they always are just like, you're always checking in on us. Who's checking in on you? And mm. what have you done for yourself? So they, they always make sure that I, I take care of myself as well. But to feel that support and even just to be asked the question is really helpful. I love that. You know, you talk about finding, you know, what works for you. There's this thing that we teach one of our professors, Dr. Williams, she, she talks about this thing called flow energy. And I love it because mm-hmm. it, it talks about when you're in your flow, your energy is so good, you almost lose track of time, right? And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that if I find myself doing things like that, that allow me to almost lose my time because I'm enjoying it so much, it brings down my stress. It keeps me at peace. It allows me to interface mm-hmm. with other people really well because I'm in my element. Those are things that I know I'm observing and some of the things that we're seeing are having some impact as we are teaching in the athlete development specialist, you know, program. And really anybody can do that. If you're doing great stuff and you almost lose track of time, you're in a good space as long as it's good and positive, right? So my my thing is like really leaning into some of the things that you're saying. You know, I, I took a note or two, so I, I like what you're talking about there. It's awesome and really good to see. One of the goals of our podcast is to talk about transition. How does or how was that transition from being a Florida girl and ending up on the <laughs> West side, as they say, of the yeah. nation now? How, how did you deal with that transition and then be that elite professional that you do and you you travel out you're everywhere your time zones Mm -hmm. are all like everywhere so talk to us about how that transition going from florida to the upper midwest yeah so interestingly enough i think it's helpful that i didn't just go from florida straight to portland i think being able to go from florida to oklahoma Uh for a year did really help it kind of was a little bit of a buffer and a cushion in between i used to i drove in drove in the snow for the first time i was able to kind of navigate different seasons for the first time because we know Florida's only season is hot. And so (laughs) being able to kind of navigate different seasons, being able to see the leaves change. And so it gave me something to look forward to. So then when I made the transition over to Portland, it was a little bit more of what I experienced when I was in Oklahoma. So it gave me a little bit of a an ideal of what I could experience. But I think even being in Portland, the like I said, the vision is it rains all day. It's beautiful outside right now, independent of what the temperature is, the Mm -hmm. sun is out. So it just feels good. And and like I said, it really does push me to be grateful for, yes, it might've been raining for a week, but today the sun is out. My level of gratitude is so different on those days. And so it just really informs and it just, I think it really expands and it, it pulls you to say, 
What is it that you're passionate about? And at what expense are you willing to sacrifice to be able to get that? Yes, I might have lost the beaches and the sun every day in Miami, but I'm now in a place where I'm living out my dream, being able to work with amazing people to do the job that I love that doesn't feel like work because I love it so much. And if it means I have to, you know, walk in the rain a little bit, I'm okay with that. That's good. I love it. You really are showing us you can do it. Come from Florida, Midwest, Southwest, and then go all the way West. Excellent. Yeah. So now we're entering what we call the speed round. This is our last phase okay. of this podcast. That means I'm asking you a question in one word, or I would say one word or at least one to two words. You have to answer this question. Are you ready? Ready. All right. The speed round begins. What's your favorite thing to do in your free time? Sleep. <laughs> What's the most recent book you have read? Oh, Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. Where is the best place you've traveled so far? Are we talking basketball? I know this is lightning, but in the world, Greece is my favorite place. Within the world of the NBA and traveling from city to city, I would say being able to go back home to Miami. All right. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Oh, pizza is going to win every time. What is your favorite part uh, about being in Portland? Um, the people. On a scale of one to 10, be honest, how good a driver are you? Oh, man. <laughs> I obviously would say 10, but others might not agree. Um I think to Miami standard, I'm a 10, but to people in Portland, they would say probably like a six. <laughs> All right. I just drive really fast. Uh-oh. Favorite childhood TV show? Oh, that's a tough one. If we're thinking like cartoons, see, I'm not really good at the speed thing because I just, there's so many options. If I'm going cartoon, I would say like Rugrat, Recess. But if I'm thinking earlier childhood, like Sister, Sister, Fresh Prince. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. go to's. You have a favorite athlete in any sport. Who are they? Ooh, I'm glad you said they because that means it didn't limit me to just one. I would say I've always loved Dwayne Wade just for him, him as a player, him as just off the court, just who he is, all the greatness that he brought to Miami, obviously. And then I just think, you know, him entering the Hall of Fame, that just really speaks to the career that he had. And then the late, great Kobe Bryant. Awesome. If your life was a movie, what would the title be? Okay, so my favorite movie is Love and Basketball. Okay. But with, with Faith being so important to me, I would say Faith, Love and Basketball. Ah, nice. That was nice. A nice integration <laughs> there, Doc. And name a person who's inspired you or persons who've inspired you and why. Man, um, I would say my mother. Just She has exemplified resilience. She's exemplified what it means when you say strength. She's the first, you know, person that comes to my mind. She's supported every vision, every dream, every thought I've ever had. She's just not only supported it financially, but supported emotionally, backed by prayer. And so I'm just really grateful to have a mother that has seen the vision, sees great parts of me when I don't see them in myself. And so she's always inspired me and will continue to inspire me. Awesome. 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 This is great. We'd love to transition now end our show, but we want to support you Dr. Green, we want to know how we can support you. Is there a book? Is there a direction in terms of websites or 
social media, we can follow you and continue to really be um, educated in this unique opportunity that you bring out to the world and your gift in being the director of Mind Health and Wellness. How do we, how do we follow you? Yeah. So keeping up with me, I don't have this great presence on social media. I have an Instagram. It's at docmarie21 on Instagram. But I think bigger than that, what I would ask is the best way to support others is to support yourself. And so I think in being able to support elite athletes, support all athletes, is to be able to be a consumer of what you're trying to to sell. And so I would be remiss to not be a consumer of mind health and wellness and then be asking others. So I don't ask anything of others that I can't deliver on myself. And so what I would really ask for to support me is for those who have not considered therapy, who have not considered speaking or working with someone just to evolve and grow in their in the wellness space. I would challenge everyone on this that's listening to this to to really take a step back and ask yourself what's stopping you, what's barring you from from really being able to uncover some of the things that might be impacting you. And everything could be going great. It could be the space where you learn more about what's going well to be able to keep it going well. And if there's things that aren't going right, to be able to make some changes to be able to get you in the right direction. So that would be the best way to support me is to, to support yourself. In closing, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Chantel Green, for being on the hit show today in the University of Florida. Thanks you, right? Go Gators. I know you want Gators. to say that. <laughs> yeah, go Gator Nation. All right. We'd love to continue to support you, and we will. The hit show should be saved on everybody's podcast because you learn things about transition and we really discover that there's more opportunity when we decide to embrace our many transitions, sports, business, and beyond. So in closing, we'd like to say thank you from the hit show and thank you for the Institute of Coaching Excellence in the College of Health and Human Performance at UF. I'm Kevin Carr, host of the hit show, but I'm also the CEO, pro the CEO. We are the curators of transition in sports and entertainment. We like to be able to help athletes, artists, executives, et cetera. And with our research partner and institute partner at UF, there's really so many things we do like this podcast. Also the pro to CEO report, which is out now and we'll have new ones coming out in the future. So stay up with us by going to the Institute's website and also protoceo.com. The Hit Show doesn't like to end without our signature outro. You've heard me say I'm on the Hit Show. Now I'm going to hand it over. Take it away, Doc. I am Dr. Chantel Green coming to you from The Hit Show.
This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. The Institute for Coaching Excellence offers various online certificate programs and degrees in partnership with the Department of Sport Management. Learn more today at coaching.hhp.ufl.edu.